podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello, it's Steve Bloomers Washing, the Derby County podcast. We've returned sooner than usual as we try to keep up with this frantic fixture list imposed by the Football Restart. And uh, on Saturday, it was like the Rams had never been away. Uh, the sun's out, there's a heat wave coming, and it was a teenage Rams star who was too hot to handle at the den as the Rams made it three wins on the bounce, ending their London away day blues in the league in the process. I'm Chris. Hello. And uh, joining me are two fully signed up members of the Louis Sibley fan club. Richard Kutcher, you're right. Hello. And uh, Anton Martin, welcome back to you. Hey, Chris. How's it going? All good. All good, especially after Saturday. Uh, so we have got your five word reviews on Hattrick Hero Prince Louis, uh, how it felt watching football behind closed doors, of course. The full breakdown on that 3-2 win at Millwall and even a cheeky geographical brain teaser round of Where Am I to finish off. But uh, as ever, don't forget that Steve Bloomers Washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. So do check them out. But now then, Anton, uh, we heard in our preview pod, which you weren't actually on to be fair, but uh, the Millwall fan that we had on, he said he was wary of uh, giving Derby too much space and time in case our players punished them. And he was actually talking about Wayne Rooney when he said that. But uh, it turned out the man who did the damage was young Louis Sibley. I mean, wow, just wow. Just how good was his overall performance on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, wow is definitely the the first word that springs to mind. I, I, I think you've struggled to find a better individual performance in in a derby shirt for a long time um probably in the championship this season um if i'm honest and and it's made all the more impressive from the fact it's it's only his second start in professional football um absolutely incredible performance obviously the goals will will get the headlines and and rightly so um kind of scoring three from midfield is, is amazingly impressive it was very clinical but it was his all-round game that was really thing that impressed me he's he's so good at picking up those kind of pockets of space between the the midfield and and the opponent's defense very direct once he does get the ball as well he, he's always on the half turn kind of driving at the opponent's defense he, he always seemed to have like an extra yard of space when he did pick up the ball just because he was so good at finding those um, bits of space, and and he he was very brave on the ball as well. He he kind of wasn't scared to to run at the middle defence. Obviously, showed in his first goal when he he beat probably four players in about two touches, and that's a, a very good middle defence as well. Very organised defence. So it was it was an amazing display. Really happy that he rounded it off with with the hat trick as well, and hopefully so much more to come. Yeah, nothing really to add to that, to be honest, from, from, from Anton. There's so much, so much you could say, but Anton said a lot of it. I mean, King Louis, Sibbo, Sibmeister, Sibley Faulty, Absa Sibley Fabulous. It was, I mean, there's so many of those ridiculous names we can come up with because it was just a performance like I've probably not seen in 20 years for Derby County. And it was 
an 18 year old. The only player younger than Sibley to score a hat trick for Derby in their whole history is Mr. Andy Garner, who bagged all three goals against Crystal Palace at 18 years and one month in 1984. So, you know, if Sibley plays his cards right in 30 years' time, he could be a first team coach of Burton Albion. So the sky is the limit, Chris, don't you think? <laughs> no, I mean, what more incentive do you need as a young player than, than, than that? Um, but all, all jokes aside, Kutch, it, it is easy to fall into the trap of, of bigging up your own young players a little bit too much sometimes. And we all want them to, to do well because there's nothing better than seeing your own homegrown talent thrive in your team. And every fan thinks that the youngsters who come through their academy are up there with the best. But we're talking here about, about a young lad who's, who's only made two senior league starts scored four goals in those two games. The youngest player to score a hat-trick in the top four divisions is Ryan Sessegnon for Fulham in 2017. I mean, he's on the... This 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 performance puts Sibley well and truly on the map. He's on the national radio, radar now. Do you think we are within our rights to get really, really excited about this kid, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And as Anton said, it wasn't just the goals. Obviously, the goals grabbed the headlines, but the goals were a direct result of a... You know, completely commanding, complete performance. I think it was eight shots on goal. He created a lot. I mean, two of the goals were, were actually all three of the goals were from really, really good moves, to be honest. But that first goal particularly, he really created it himself in a way that he kind of walked through three or four Millwall players, just a couple of really smart touches and and hooked it into the top corner. He almost did it almost exactly the same thing when he came in from the left onto his right foot and the keeper made a good save and he had another similar chance in the second half, the Mill players could not get the ball off him. I think it was like the 60th minute that he actually got tackled successfully for the first time. And as Anton said, he, he was picking up space in areas where there wasn't any space. You know, Mill were sitting off Derby. They weren't chasing the game and pressing Derby high up and, and putting pressure on Rooney and Bird. Rooney and Bird were playing in an armchair and Sibley was picking up space when there was he was surrounded by three players turning and getting shots off or, or spraying it wide again. It, it was extremely impressive. I said to my dad before the game started, I just said, oh, is this, is, he doesn't watch Derby that often. I said, oh, there's this kid, Louis Sibley, very highly thought of. So let me see what you think of him. And I didn't even have to ask him at the end what he thought of him because it was pretty obvious what he thought of him. It, I can't think of a, a teenager putting in a performance like that for Derby in my lifetime. I think Tom Hodgson had some ridiculously impressive performances as a 16, 17-year-old for Derby. But never to the you know to the degree of having that kind of impact on one match. I mean, it was it was uh, it was kind of you know dream stuff in in that second half. Let's talk about that first goal then, or the uh, the equaliser as it was in the game. Derby being one 0 down to a uh, to a header from from Big Matt Smith because that's what you have to call him. That is his full title, Big Matt Smith. Yeah, the equaliser coming in the first half. It was made in the academy in the end with, with Bird and, and Bogle involved in the build up, but. The feet that, that Sibley showed when he collects the ball from Bogle, because Bogle does ping it at him. He, he, he does fizz that, that short ball across the grass at him, but he completely kills it dead with his first touch on his left, keeps his head up, the little shimmy from left to right to, to squeeze past two players, holds off a defender with his with his elbow, with, uh, with, with, his, with his other arm while he's sort of falling, keeps his composure and then roofs it past the goalkeeper, Anton. It was a, a really special goal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I didn't realise quite how good technically he was. Um, I, I don't watch a huge amount of the 23s and I've obviously heard rave, rave reviews about what he's been doing down there. But you never know how that's going to translate to professional game where, where you do have less time on the ball. You have 
kind of more experienced defenders up against you. But he looked right at home. The ease with which he, he kind of glided past the defenders in, in the middle box, um, kind of Kutch mentioned the fact that he, he was barely tackled throughout the whole game. And, and that first goal was a real example of that, keeping it right close to his, his body at all times. Um, it, it seems so easy. His balance is amazing. His touch is amazing. He seems to kind of know what to do in terms of what way to go to beat the defender in terms of technical ability I can't really see anyone better in in the squad other than Wayne Rooney and and that's no exaggeration um I know I've only seen really a couple of games from him certainly at a professional level but looking at his touch and and the way he moves across the pitch and his just natural ability it's it's right up there with with the best players in this team I mean I don't want to be too much for a a downer on the rest of the squad because there's some really talented ball players with great close control in that Derby squad like Holmes and and, and Lawrence and um, obviously Rooney as well. But I'm, I'm struggling to think of many of them who would be able to pull off that first goal in the same way that, that Sibley did. And there's that great picture that I saw afterwards of, of him like gliding past those challenges and three or four Millwall defenders just, uh, you know, unable to really get near him and uh, sort of shades of you know, Messi and Maradona, but we're getting a bit carried away here anyways. <laughs> Let's try and dial it in slightly. But the second goal, Kutch, the uh, the goal that put Derby 2-1 up in the second half, brilliant link up with with Martin Waghorn. And it's interesting because Philip Koku said when he was talking about the team selection for Millwall, the reason he selected Waggy up top instead of Chris Martin is because I think I remember him saying that he thought there were early signs of a better connection, a better partnership between Waghorn and Sibley than there is between Sibley and, and Martin. So when the ball came into Waghorn, that lovely little layoff from Waggy right into into Sibley's path, perfectly cushioned and weighted, brilliant little assist. But aside from that goal, did you see much evidence of that? Do you think is there the potential for a, a little um, a, a little partnership there for the rest of the season and beyond? I, I didn't see many other direct examples of it, but but the goal was a brilliant example of it, and you couldn't have a better example. I mean, Waghorn's you know first time pass. I mean, you you could actually see them moving off each other as as Matt Berb was looking for the the first pass, whether into Waghorn or to Sibley. So the movement complemented each other. It looked like it was straight off the training ground, and Waghorn, you know, he's not known for his kind of build up play and bringing other players into the game, you know, as effective as say Chris Martin does. But it was a perfectly weighted first time pass, exactly where he wanted it. And it, and it, you know, it was still a very, very good finish from Sibley on his weaker right foot, but it, it put it on a plate for him for sure. So it's interesting that Koku spotted that. It, it, if that does work, it kind of solves a few problems for Derby and for Koku because it means that he has a different option of, of going with someone like a Dwayne Holmes on the wide right who didn't probably have his best game as he admitted himself on Twitter afterwards. But yeah, it certainly looks like there was some hint of that, but you wouldn't you know, put it past someone like Chris Martin also getting the best out of Louis Sibley. The one thing that Waghorn maybe offers, which would complement Sibley, is a bit more pace than Chris Martin. So Martin Waghorn can threaten in behind, which would naturally give Sibley more space. If you've got Chris Martin, and obviously defenders are going to be quite comfortable pushing up and pressing high, knowing that there's no threat in behind. So maybe Waghorn just allows a bit more space for, for Louis Sibley, but I'd love to see Louis Sibley playing off Waghorn or Chris Martin. The other thing I was maybe surprised to see is when we saw Tom Lawrence, when we have seen Tom Lawrence and Louis Sibley on the same pitch at the same time, which hasn't been many times, uh, because Lawrence, I don't believe, played in that game against um, Blackburn when 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 Sibley scored his goal, is 
Tom Lawrence would often come in from the left and go central and Sibley would naturally go out to the left. And we didn't see much of that at all on Saturday, whether that was deliberate or not, I'm not sure. But it was certainly, uh, yeah, it certainly looked very good going forward. And just having Louis Sibley gives you one other threat on the pitch earlier this season. It was very much a case that we go away from home and the opposition shuts down Jaden Bogle and we didn't have any options. We didn't have any other kind of creativity. Now you've got Tom Lawrence on form from the left. You've got Louis Sibley in the middle. You've got Bogle still out wide right. You've got Max Bird and Wayne Rooney creating things from the middle. So now it looks like there's threats all over the pitch, which just makes it that much harder to defend against. And that's reflected in the form table since Christmas. So we were talking about it before we, we started. I think I'm right in saying that Derby are now top of the form table since uh, since turn of the year, 13 games played and uh, 24 points. So not that far shy of um, two points a game. But we asked you guys on Twitter to uh, sum up Louis Sibley's performance in five words, had some uh, terrific responses. I'll read some of these out now and uh, Kutch and Anton are going to rattle through a few more after the break. So uh, Dan B on Twitter, he uh, came in with a star in the making. Uh, Pete Lee, regular listener, he tweeted us to say he played with no fear, which is a good one. Uh, Dan Letchford, regular listener too, he said, like Rooney at that age. You can see parallels. Mm, uh, Rain Rooney was ripping up the European Championships at 18, so let's not. (laughs) Oh, mate, Euro 2021, he's there. Um, (laughs) Emily Ward, she tweeted us, he has only just begun. True. I think you'll like this one. Andrew Woodman, he tweeted us saying, worth more than Pride Park. What do you reckon? Well, I was going to say that because last week we said, didn't we, that Ketriania cost one eighth of Pride Park <laughs> to Derby County. I was wondering how many, uh, how many Pride Parks Louis Sibley's worth, probably up there. How many Ketrianias is Louis Sibley? No, complicated. <laughs> um, Michael Walker, he tweeted us, uh, hands off him, Frank Lampard. That's a good one. And uh, just finally in this segment, uh, Nick Cook, on our Facebook page, he gave us four words and then realised he, he was one short. He said, uh, the real white Pele sheep. <laughs> Just tagged on an actual word on the end there. And any any particular responses you want to pick out there, Kutch? Like any, um, what, do, do you agree with the, the fan consensus? It's difficult not to get carried away, isn't it? Yeah, very difficult not to get carried away. I mean, comparing him to Pele and Rooney might be a bit bold, um, but I mean, you can't you can't fault him, can you? I mean, you you just can't fault him. Let's I guess what we need to say is let's see what he does against Reading at home, against Leeds at home, against was it West Brom away? So plenty of tough fixtures to come up. Millwall, you would have thought would be a, would have been a tough gig. You probably would have got a tougher ride if, if there'd been fans in the stadium. But you can only beat what's in front of you, and he's made a hell of a statement. So I'm sure he'll have a lot more attention from the opposition in, in, in the weeks to come. Anton, I'm um, this is one for you. I'm just I'm curious as to what you thought about the whole experience overall. The uh, behind closed doors issue. It was the first game, of course, that that Derby played with with no fans since the restart. It did occur to me earlier. I was just thinking about this this afternoon. I feel that. Yeah, playing against no fans away at Millwall probably did help. But on the flip side, it's going to be such a shame, isn't it? It's going to be so gutting not being able to Sibley, see Sibley play at Pride Park. Can, can you imagine, just picture the scene when when Reading roll up on Saturday and if we had like, you know, 28,000 or whatever we get and, you know, like we go on the front foot, we attack Reading and like Sibley gets the ball on the counter-attack or, or Sibley gets the ball 25 yards out, like the week after he scored a hat-trick. Can you imagine what the atmosphere will be like, like the level of expectation, anticipation. It would have been like proper goosebump stuff. I'm just really, it's, it's such a shame that, that we wouldn't 
get to experience that because I think Sibley will just really thrive off that. And uh, it would have been so great to watch, like nothing that we haven't really, uh, you know, the sort of the way that he burst on the scene in, in, in the past couple of weeks and the way that a young player hasn't in our lifetime. But, you know, like you say, it's um, the flip side is, is that it probably does help out a bit during away games. But overall, what did you make of it, Anton? Like how, how surreal did you find it watching a game with uh, with nobody there? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, Sibley will be disappointed that he, he can't have a big crowd behind him. But at the same time, it may, it may help the young players, as, as you guys were mentioning last week. And, and without a doubt, it probably would have helped away at the Den with, with their notorious um, support. Um, generally, I, I thought it was actually better than I was expecting in, in terms of um, kind of just experience, really. We, we all know Rams TV does a pretty decent job. I, I know a few people had a few technical issues um on twitter but I, I think the majority got through okay i i kind of quite liked the kind of crowd noise in the background that Millwall put on <laughs> I, I i know sky sports have done it certainly for for the games that they've shown um a little bit different to have it in the stadium i'm, I'm not sure how that would have been kind of actually playing or, or being in the stadium but it, it did kind of add to the effect while watching it um it's obviously not quite the same when goal goes in or something like that and, and you don't have the shots of the crowd in the background but from a tv viewing perspective it, it wasn't too bad clearly we we would have been there away at Millwall so it's a bit disappointing well very disappointing that, that we didn't get to see it in the flesh with the amazing atmosphere that we would have had there but all things considered it wasn't too bad I don't think. Coach the thing that I like seeing in having watched a few of these um, behind closed doors games is like the noise when someone scores because you can you can just tell that it's only like obviously only the benches and like the subs are the ones that, that like go completely nuts. And I feel like some of them are trying to overcompensate and trying to make up for the fact that they're the only ones able to make any noise. <laughs> just, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just had pictures of, of trying to imagine who is giving it the big one, the most out of our like coaching staff when, you know, when Sibley scored at the weekend, what do you reckon? Do you reckon like Shea Given it's like limbs in, in the dugout from Shea Given or like, Big big twan sheepers. Do you reckon he's he, he's given it large? I can't imagine Koku going particularly. Nuts no, I think and like roaring or you know like wailing and screaming much. Yeah, I think probably Twan would be the one, the obvious one that would be kind of giving it the big and uh, Shay Given. I think you know has uh, obviously Shay Given was involved in those playoff semi-final celebrations. He was heavily in there, but I think Twan would be be the one that might. But he hasn't seen like a big boomer either. He seems pretty. He seems pretty cool. They're all all three of the Dutchmen are pretty cool players, aren't they? So I think we're pretty composed on that bench actually. And I've I've quite enjoyed on the Premier League game switching between the different Sky channels to watch a bit with the crowd, fake crowd noise, and and watch uh, the, with no crowd noise. And it was interesting. I watched the Man City Arsenal game and it was actually quite quiet, the players on the pitch. But when uh, Man United played, um, who did Man United play at the weekend? I can't remember who it was. Spurs. But that, that game, yeah, Man United Spurs, that's it. Thank you, Anton. That was actually, there was a much more shouting from both those teams. It's quite noticeable, but they were much louder. I, I thought Rams TV, again, do a great job. I thought their, their coverage was excellent. The, the Millwall pumped in noise, I thought was quite good in the first half. And they actually had Millwall noise, didn't they, Anton? It was, it was, yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, it was, a few that, times. It was properly playing that. So, 
they obviously did have like customized Millwall sounds, but then the second half, it seemed to go wrong. It just sounded like white noise to me in the second half. So I don't know if something went a bit wrong or maybe just because we were winning, they, they didn't play the, they didn't go through the usual routine, but it was pretty decent. Um, I think it probably helped that we scored three goals. Uh, maybe it would have been a different uh, a different thing if it had been a drab nil nil like there were a few others around. So uh, yeah, I, I could get I could get used to it if we're scoring three goals every week. That's for sure. Anton, uh, I watched a Man City game uh, when they beat Arsenal three uh, nil a few days ago, and they had like a giant sort of big screen divided into like sixteen or whatever squares with like a <laughs> basically a massive Zoom call with Man City fans watching the game from behind the goal, which I found was weird because clearly it's reliant on like the satellite, like, you know, that signal and the internet signal. So <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne slots over the penalty and literally about four seconds later, the city, the city fans actually react to the ball hitting the back of the net. Like didn't really maybe work perhaps as well as Ed hopes, but what do you reckon when we haven't played at home yet beyond closed doors? Is that the sort of thing you'd, you'd like to see at Pride Park? Yeah, yeah. There, there were a few jokes going around about that, actually, because at times they couldn't even fill the 16 Zoom slots in, in the screen. And there were uh, a few jokes <laughs> going around on Twitter about that. But um, I mean, I, I don't see what that adds at all. I, I can't imagine the, the players are pay, paying any attention to that whatsoever. Um, I'm not sure. What, what, what do you see at the other end? Is it kind of just the, the normal screen of the game or is it a, a different camera angle or yeah, they have an away end don't they or did i imagine that do i imagine that from no sh- i think they had i think they had two screens at each end just for man city fans i think but again might be might be making but, but that do up. you get that angle for the for the kind of watching the game no, 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 they're not, they're not watching. No, they're, they're, I presume they're watching on a regular feed and they've just got a Zoom camera. They wouldn't just be having an awful view <laughs> from behind. Well, I don't know. It could be, could be quite, a, quite a nice pitch side view. It's just like being in the front row. <laughs> it's, not an actual, it's not an actual Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> well, plenty more to talk about from, uh, from the Millwall game. Plenty more for us to digest in a second. And we've got more five-word reviews from uh, from you guys and a tribute to the man who made his 200th appearance for Derby County at the weekend and of course a cheeky little quiz stay where you are one shot the target here and he's beaten Marshall to it it must be it is and it's the little Italian again against the run of play but they'll accept it and it was Marshall's mistake that allowed one shot to make the cross and Baiano did the rest during these difficult times, our friends at Derby Brewing Company still have their online shop open for business, where they're doing their utmost to ensure they get their freshest beer to your homes as quickly as possible. Due to the unprecedented demand, they're extremely busy and it might take slightly longer to process your order, but you can buy bottles, cans, gift packs and merchandise by visiting derbybrewing.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Martin Whitecorn, and you listen to Steve Bloomer's Washing. So, chaps, the uh, the goal that sealed Prince Louis... I'm just going to call him Prince Louis now. I think it's quite catchy. Uh, the goal that sealed Prince Louis' hat-trick, probably not what he would have imagined when he uh, when he dreamt about scoring a hat-trick for Derby, like scuffing one in in, in front of no fans. Um, but he was in the right place at the right time, did well to keep his composure, given he was on a hat-trick and it was quite late in the game but a nice little well work move again wasn't it and we we caught caught me all out exploited the space and well scored three goals away from home for this for the second away game running am i right in thinking 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. I mean, I think I think a few people have said that he scuffed that shot. I don't think he did. I think it went exactly where he wanted to go. So I'm not sure you'd call that a scuff. I mean, it, um, it went exactly it, where he wanted to go, but just not at the same pace potentially. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But I thought I thought it was very clever finish, and it took the keeper. Well, either the keeper was awful, or it took him completely unawares because the keeper didn't move his feet, did he? He dived and he couldn't quite reach it. And I think maybe Sibley taking it so early is what is what did the keeper there. Yeah, really, really nice move. And yeah, Chris Martin showed, you know, his his vision and, and his intelligence on the pitch to release Forsyth. And yeah, great to see it's great to see our left back on the edge of the opposition penalty area at two one up. It was it was an ambitious move and, and it and it did kill the game off just about, uh, apart from a slightly late scare. What I really liked about, I mean, both that goal and and the second one, I think, uh, was his kind of instinct to to get up into the box and get around the, to support the striker. He, he seems like a really natural number 10 in, in his positioning sense, kind of picking up those pockets of spaces that I was mentioning earlier when, when we're kind of building up play. And then when it does get forward, he's, he's not shy to kind of go past the striker. And, and those late runs from midfield are really difficult to pick up from a defensive perspective you, you saw it especially with the second goal um kind of burst through and and the defense was nowhere um one one center back went over to Wycorn and and he had a free run into the box and it, and it was very similar for the third goal um despite being 2-1 ahead he he wasn't shy to to get up and around the box and great composure I mean he obviously didn't hit it as sweetly as he would have liked but it was right in the corner and and what a what a way to to settle your comeback um from from lockdown I think what you said there Anton about his kind of willingness to be really close to the to the front line and stay up the pitch is really important because so often when you see these type of players come through they do start like this and they do stay up the pitch. And sometimes in games, they'll get frustrated and they'll drop back. You know, we used to see Rooney do it a lot when he was younger, drop back because he's getting frustrated and not getting the ball. And maybe that will happen. But when you've got Wayne Rooney and Max Bird in a team, pulling the strings from from deep like they are, there's no need for Louis Sibley to come back and try and get involved. Now, that might happen in future because people might want to try and mark him more tightly, but he can afford to be patient when he's got the likes of Rooney and Bird uh, moving the ball around. And I think it's their derby if they carry on like this, will be a very hard team to defend against. Do you remember the time when we like didn't score a league hat-trick for about 25 years? It just seems like a, a long time ago. <laughs> but here's one to put you on spot with. the. We all know that a uh, another beloved Rams star scored a hat-trick away at Millwall once upon a time. Um, Craig Bryson back in 13-14. Anton, which hat-trick did you prefer from like a technical well, actually, you know, just in all ways, which hat-trick did you prefer? Craig Bryson in V Millwall in the 5-1 or Louis Sibley V Millwall in the 3-2 last week? <laughs> you are really putting me on the spot now. Um, I mean, th- there's so much recency bias in, in my answer here, um, simply because I can I can remember it so vividly and it, it kind of feels like yesterday because it was almost yesterday. I'm, I'm going to have to go for Sibley just because, I mean, w- what a great moment for, for an 18-year-old to, to come in to the squad and, and to get a hat-trick so early in your career. Um, so uh, although I loved the Bryson hat-trick, um, I'm going to go for Sibley. Coach, you can barely remember what you had for breakfast this morning, but I'll give you the same question as well. What's your, what's, what's your verdict? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd agree. I mean, I wasn't at that. I think I must have been living in New York at the time of the Bryson, Bryson hat trick. So that's one of the few Millwall away games that I've missed in recent history. Yeah, I'd go, I'd go with Sibley. Mainly, they're very different hat tricks, aren't they, from what I can remember. I'd go with Sibley purely because of the age. And, and also, Craig Bryson's already got a much more famous hat trick to his name in the league against Nottingham Forest. So we'll give... We'll give Bryce that one and Sibley can have the Millwall away. 
I'll say uh, I'll say Bryson just for a bit of balance. I think if memory serves, that the first no, one. No, Tom like, would have said Tom would have said Bryson if he was here. So you can go Sibley. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, it's, it's a great hat trick as well. Like there's that the first one's a ping, isn't it? And like sort of keeps catches the keeper out, and then the second one is like when he drops a shoulder and then unleashed into the top corner from 25 yards. I was right behind that in, in the away end. It was absolutely brilliant. And the third one, I think, was quite similar to Sibley's second one. He got like put in on a bit of an angle in the channel down the same end as well. And he like sort of drilled it low and hard across the keeper into the bottom corner. So well, I'll say Bryson. But uh, you guys have got a few more five word reviews in front of you. Do you not? Do you fancy uh, reading some of them out? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got Matt Reed on Facebook came in with Sibley makes my heart wibbly. Craig Nash on Instagram said, sign that 10-year deal. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Uh, Joe Cowler, you know, keeping it uh, keeping it calm, keeping it cool. He says, pretty good to be fair. D-Lab on Twitter. <laughs> I love this one. Uh, like an angry ballerina, joy. And uh, Andy Redfern says, a mix of Hughes, Bryson and Barnes. And not, not much to disagree with there. Nick on Twitter also wants a, a new deal for, for Sibley. He says, majestic homegrown wonder kid, new contract. And Elliot Marsh says, decent Barnet considering it's lockdown. Yeah, really, a really good, um, yeah, I can't disagree with any of that really. Um, really good range of responses. Clearly Sibley, as you said earlier, Anton will get the headlines for his, uh, his hat trick in only his second senior start. But um, who impressed both, who impressed for you both the most elsewhere in, in that Rams side? I mean, I haven't had a chance to actually independently verify if this is true, but there's a Millwall statistician who said that Tom Lawrence committed more tackles than anyone else on the pitch. He has been slated before for not always tracking back and maybe having a bit of an attitude and and being a bit inconsistent, a bit moody and this, that and the other. But did he come across as being particularly diligent defensively from from what you saw of the game? Uh, I, I didn't notice anything particularly uh, overly diligent from Tom Lawrence or, or more diligent than usual. I mean, he, ha- he always has had his critics in regards to his kind of attitude. But if you actually look back at managers, uh, Frank Lampard and, and Philip Koku, they've always praised his work rate and said he does work very hard off the ball. And actually when it was pointed out and you start watching, particularly since his you know, return to the team after after disgrace, I think he has worked very hard. I didn't notice him making lots and lots of tackles uh, on Saturday, but it doesn't mean he wasn't top of the tackle. Let's thought he had a relatively quiet game, which is fine. You know, he, he's had a fantastic second half of the season and it was someone else's turn to uh, smash in the Wonder Girls this week. Um, I thought, I think it's brilliant if you're going to have you know two players like Lawrence and Sibley complement each other. I think that should work well. But as I said, I, don't, I didn't notice him being being particularly impressive on, on the defensive front, but that, does, that doesn't mean that he wasn't. I thought Matt Clark had a pretty decent game uh, at the back. I've been a bit more critical of him than others over this season, but I thought although the, the defensive unit it did look shaky at times. We were undone quite, I think, three times on the counter in the first half and at least once in the second half. I thought Matt Clark had a relatively uh, composed game and I thought Jaden Bogle looked like he was playing a bit better than he was before the break and maybe coming somewhere near his best. Who, who stood out for you, Anton, apart from uh, apart from Louis Sibley? I, I think both Max Bird and Wayne Rooney in the middle um, looked really good. I, I think the slow pace and, and kind of lower intensity of, of post-lockdown football probably suited them quite a lot. I know some people are a little mm. bit concerned with how fit and, and kind of sharp Rooney might be, but 
definitely been eased into it with that slow pace suited him fantastically and and I, I think he had more touches and more completed passes than anyone in the pit on the pitch in the end and, and they both of those two completely controlled the game I, I think kind of going forward as a unit we were very good um, obviously Sibley was, was the, the main threat but everyone wanted the ball in very tight spaces we, we spent so so long kind of passing it around in their own half we, we've often seen Derby have a lot of the ball in games earlier this season but a lot of it's often been in our own half we weren't scared to keep the ball in their half on Saturday which was really nice to see and and kind of playing one two touch stuff it was it was really working quite nicely we were patient waiting for the opening and and we, we did create quite a few of those openings um, throughout the game there was one moment in the first I think it was in the first half where we seemed to have the ball for about two minutes but no player had more than two touches and it was all in their half they just didn't look like getting the ball and it, it was really nice to see and it's it's clearly benefits of, of Koku's training style that they're, they're becoming more familiar with each other they're becoming more confident on the ball so I think it was just a, an all-round good performance there were no bad performances out there um, and it's great to see first game back. No I'd agree with that and I think Max Bird I was saying to Chris just off air before we started recording that Max Bird to me I don't know if it was a, if it's a mental thing or if it is actually a physical thing but to me he looked way more imposing on the game he looks like a bigger figure I don't know if that is because he actually has bulked up a little bit and put a, extra, put a bit of extra muscle on during lockdown or if it's just because he's naturally playing so much more confident and obviously feeling very much at home. He just looked to me a much more mature player. I mean, he was obviously playing very, very well before before the break, but he's just he looked like he really belonged there today, um, on Saturday, sorry, and he just looked like a bigger imposing figure. And uh, yeah, he had, a, he had a fantastic game. But as I said, Millwall didn't put any pressure on, on, on Rooney or Bird at all. So it was really you know nice game for those two to ease themselves into it was it was unfortunate to see uh, see matt smith nutmegging wayne rooney on uh, which i saw a clip of on twitter <laughs> but, uh, apart from that he, and yeah, and score but yeah i think with bird i think he's just he's just walking the walk now right he's just believing in his own ability and and part of that is being given uh like a run in a team a part of it is playing alongside rooney and, and everything else but i don't think it's all entirely physical i just think he's just way more confident and assured and just a better technical footballer now but speaking of confident technical footballers one man <laughs> who uh made his 200th appearance for derby county against millwall was uh, was big fozzy the fozzatron craig forsyth uh we got we got to pay tribute to him really i know he's not yeah he's not perfect he, he makes mistakes he has made mistakes and some people just you know he's, he's, he's not their cup of tea and and they don't rate him but Anton, he, he's been a solid pro. We, we, you have to say that. And someone who's played for Derby for a really long time now, one of the few who's left, along with like Martin and Wisdom from the, the original like McLaren Innocent Climb team. But we're looking at a guy here who's come back from three ACL injuries. He's, he's, he's come back from the sort of injury record which can and which has ruined the, the careers of other players, other Derby players. So fair play to him, is what I say. And do you think overall he has been a bit underappreciated by derby fans yeah i would say so i'm i'm, I'm really happy that he, he's reached this milestone um it is often quite easy to forget about the impact that he has had in a derby shirt he, he was such an important part of that 
13, 14 season. Um, his, his creativity from, from the left-hand side and, and he was just a very consistent performer and he did have a big impact on that side. People often look at the, the last kind of two or three years where he's, he's been so unlucky with injuries um, but to come back in the way he has is, is quite remarkable um, to, to kind of play himself back into, well, not peak fitness but as, as fit as he can be and, and back in contention for, for this team it is kind of incredible really I know Max Lowe is obviously the one that the kind of coaching staff see as the kind of one to nail down that left back slot long term but given that Lowe is is young and and kind of still developing you do need someone there who can step in when when Lowe needs a bit of a rest or or, or a bit of time off and and Fozzie's proved he can do that even kind of when he has lengthy spells on the sideline and and that's a really important player to have in, in the side he doesn't get disappointed or kind of disruptive when he's out of the team. He just works hard to do what he can from the sideline and, and get back into the side. And, and his experience and, and kind of age w- will be really important in this young side, not just with Lowe, to, to share his his advice and, and his experience for, from that positional sense, but also for the rest of the guys. It's always good having that older head in the dressing room. And, and I, I think Fozzie still has a part to play in, in the Derby team. Coach, where does... Craig Forsyth rank in your list of uh, Scottish Derby County left wingers, come left backs, come centre backs. Oh, there's a, there's a there's a list uh, which I quite kind of of, Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, um, better than Jamie Kevley. Is he Scottish? No. Yeah, he was Scottish. Absolutely, he was. And I would probably Jamie Kevley was a nutter, and he did have a left foot thunderbolt in him. But I think I think I'd go with. Still go with Craig Forsyth for sure. Definitely is a Derby County servant. I think the problem with, or, or the perception with Forsyth or reality with Forsyth is that when he goes through poor spells, they often are very poor and quite long and people get frustrated with him. But I'm I'm always one of those that gives Forsyth, has a lot more patience and time for Forsyth and gives him the benefit of the doubt because I know what he is capable of. And, you know, just that pass in for Louis Sibley was was a nice example of the quality he has on the ball and he, he can provide great crosses going forward. Unfortunately, he also goes through phases where he can't beat the first man for a few months. But yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Craig Forsyth and I, I, if we're going to have him, if we're going to have Max Lowe and one other left back in the squad in the next couple of years, I'd, I'd certainly rather be Craig Forsyth than, than Scott Malone. So I'm happy for Fozzie to stick around for a bit longer. I think when the when the club tweeted out a little montage of Fozzie's best moments, they inexplicably left out the assist against Brighton for Hughes's goal in the playoffs, which oh. It's been a bit of an oversight. I think hopefully maybe someone's taken a kicking for that one. Unless I missed it. I'm pretty sure they missed it out. Yeah, look, a good servant. Some cracking little assists in there. And he did score that one rocket against Watford, didn't he? About seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, a solid pro. And uh, we respect him for his contribution to our club. So, uh, right, before we wrap things up for podcast 86, got a puzzler for you, gents. We're going to do a where am I? for this one so it's our geographical guessing game where um Kutch and Anton have to guess the away ground that I'm talking about based on a series of clues doesn't quite have the same like zing and pop to it when we're all in different parts of the country but we're going to give it a go um hopefully Kutch can edit it together to make it sound a lot more dramatic than it actually is <laughs> uh, so first clue if either of you got a guess then jump in with your name if no one gets it right we'll move on to the second clue and so on and so on. Clue number one is this. I am four hours and 14 minutes from Pride Park Stadium. Where am I? Catch. Home Park, Plymouth. 
home park Plymouth is the right answer. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I was going to go for Exeter to be fair so I wasn't too far away but uh, yeah <laughs> we've got five more minutes to fill can we pretend you got that wrong and then we can just carry on no 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 I'm having that it's very rare that I get one of those and it's less time for me editing, editing as well item. Richard Kutcher getting correct answer on the first clue um, well four hours and 14 Park. second clue was um, the away end holds 1300 uh, total capacity 17,904 clue number four Derby last played there in January 2010 did you go there then Kutch in your in your Rami season as, as Rami I went there as, uh, yeah I went there as Rami and Pilgrim Pete showed me around and I went there in the Phil Brown season yeah as well um, a few years nice. before that so uh, yeah been there a few times Derby lost an FA Cup tie there in February 2007 uh, they won their 3-0 in 2009 featuring a screamer from Gary Teal and finally they're nicknamed the Green Army. Well, sorry, Anton, you, you got completely stitched up there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, N- nice to play anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Good game's a quick game. That counts. Um, well, there we go. I guess I should have had Plan B on my sleeve, but I don't. So we'll have to just leave it there for this uh, podcast. We're going to return uh, a week on Thursday. We'll be back. As I said, we're doing a podcast a week for this uh, crazy part of the remaining part of the season. So what we're going to try and do is uh, record one get a podcast in the bag directly after the midweek Preston game on the Wednesday, Wednesday the 1st, um, which hopefully has been moved to five o'clock for Sky. So we should have time to uh, to do that. Then we'll get another pod out on Thursday, July the 2nd. So don't forget to subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify to get that one first. But uh, until then, Anton, commiserations, but uh, thanks for coming anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it other than the quiz. And uh, Kutch, always an honour and the privilege. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. See you later.